Hi, this is April Richardson, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Paula Poundstone. Well, the thing is, every time I said, oh, "Okay, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pummel people with where I'm going to be," um, then, in the, yeah, inevitably, somebody writes and says, "When are you coming to Atlanta?" You know, it's a fine line. Well, I foolishly years ago gave my email to Radio Shack. What possessed me? I don't know. I guess the guy at the cash register asked me for it. We'll hear more from Paula in just a bit. Always a good time talking to Paula. She's so funny. She's so quick. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy our chat. Uh, as always, fake news still on hiatus. Trying to figure out a way to fold that back into the show. I'm thinking maybe we will do it as a rotating part of the dumb bit rotation. Uh, and then try to bring it back that way. I have a new book to talk to you about. I think you're going to be excited to hear about the song of the week. It's from a band from Louisville. But uh, in lieu of fake news, we're going to go straight to our regularly scheduled dumb bit. Time for another edition of... It's Facebook, not Factbook. So there I was on Facebook minding my own business and I uh, came across a post from a uh, guy I knew from high school. In fact, we worked together at my very first job at Discount and Drug Mart where they save you the runaround. Anyway, he posts all kinds of this right-wing nonsense and uh, they've done a great job of actually getting him to vote against his own economic interests. But um, he posted this thing. It looks like I thought he shared it from another Facebook page, but he actually found this somewhere. And it's a headline. It's a uh, looks like a news story. It says anti-gun senator shoots intruder. And uh, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, now at first I thought there's probably some kind of BS going on here. My BS detector is pretty good at detecting this kind of stuff, and I was correct. And uh, so I, I I looked at it, and uh, first of all, um, it involves a senator named R.C. Souls, and he has actually not been in office for four years. This happened four years ago. First of all, so. Uh, I'm going to click off this now because my I, I went to this guy's page where this news story is and the Kaspersky keeps saying, go away, get away from this thing, get away. So uh, immediately this is something that's going to probably infect my computer and, and cause this thing to crash before I finish the podcast. Anyway, R.C. Souls is a state senator in North Carolina and he, he, did, in shoot, uh, he did shoot an intruder. Two kids broke into his house and he uh, shot one of them in the leg. The problem is he's not really that anti-gun. I figured he probably at some point voted maybe to uh, for a background check or something, and hey, that's enough for those guys. Anyway, uh, if you go to Snopes and check this out, of course I don't have any good audio for this, but um, uh, the NRA, <laughs> here's his rating from the NRA, okay, this is how they rated this guy, 1998, B, 2000, B+, 2002, B+, 2004, 2006, 2008, A, he got an A from the NRA, worst anti-gun guy ever, and then uh, this grassroots North Carolina outfit, who are, are very pro-gun, they posted a thing on their page saying, hey, look, he hasn't been like a good a friend of the gun industry or to gun owners. And that's really who the gun lobby is for. They're for gun, uh, the gun industry, They're not for gun owners. Gun owners are responsible for the most part. It's the gun industry that wants you to be irresponsible and have as many guns as you can handle or not handle. Anyway, the, the uh, grassroots North Carolina site says that he's, he's not, uh, you know, a, a friend to, you know, to gun owners and gun advocacy, but he's certainly not a, an enemy. Uh, let me see. He says, as much fun as this to catch anti-gun politicians in their own hypocrisy. This is from their site. This is not such, the, uh, this is not, this is not such a case. 
In the interest of fair play and truth, GRNC is compelled to point out that while not excellent, R.C. Souls is not a virulent anti-Second Amendment activist. So there you go. And of course, I posted this below the post and said, you know, it turns out he's not that anti-gun. Everybody just ignored it. Oh, typical liberal. It's it's hypocrite. He, he, He should have guns and nobody else should. No, 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 and no. Because remember... It's Facebook, not Factbook. Paula Pounds is the stand-up comedian you may recall from her many late-night TV appearances over the years, or maybe one of her many comedy specials. She regularly sells out theaters across the country and is a regular panelist on the hit NPR radio program, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Always fun talking with her here now is our interview with Paula Poundstone. we've done this this is always so much fun i uh, appreciate you doing this um, sure uh so let me ask you I, mean, I was thinking about paula poundstone the other day and it's kind of uh it occurred to me with like with some other comics as you go through different eras people know you for different things like i always think of you with letterman along with like guys like jay leno and seinfeld and the comedians from that era but there's a whole generation of people that know you really from wait wait don't tell me and do you find you have an audience that's varied like that or you just go out and tell the jokes and interact with the audience um, yeah, there are people who, there's, unfortunately, uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me has brought me a really wonderful audience. Some of those people who have come to see me because they were Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me fans had no idea that I was a stand-up. Um, and then there's people who come because they've been coming forever, and they had wow. no idea that there was a <laughs> a weekly news quiz show uh, <laughs> called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on, on, uh, on public radio. Um, they seem to get along, yeah. the two groups. There's no Hatfields and McCoys going on there. Everybody seems to merge fairly well. That's cool. Um, yeah, because I always, the first thing I think of you, though, I mean, I know a lot of people think of, oh, it's, it's, it's the crowd work. It's never the same show twice. But I, I always remember you being just this fantastic joke writer, which is the thing that stuck with me when I first saw you on Letterman. And do you still like to sit down and write jokes, or do you think the jokes come more from the conversation with the audience? Oh, it's both. Okay. It's both. I mean, there's stuff that I think of. Uh, well, you know, one of the things, uh, the you know, goofy, stupid Twitter, and, and honestly, uh, yeah. I hate electronics, but <laughs> having said that, I do do goofy, stupid Twitter. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I it's actually caused me probably to more consciously, uh, you know, you know, think of jokes on a, on a regular basis. Um, originally, I, I, I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but originally I, my notion of Twitter was this thing that I could use kind of as a pen sieve, um, that I could take the things that were rattling around in my head and put them somewhere so that they didn't bother me all day long. Um, and, and then this horrible idea of, you know, self-promotion which at this point anybody in my business um, is stuck doing that with you know with Twitter and Facebook and all that it's a big part of our work now yeah. um, you know it's letting people know where you're going to be and um, I loathe that part uh, because I hate sort of spamming people with that but what I figure is that if I if I provide enough sort of funny joke content then maybe I can uh, Slip into you know oh I'm gonna be oh, yeah. at the, the this or that without uh, without 
pissing people off too badly. Well, I don't think that app, because if people are following you for a reason, if they're enjoying your jokes on Twitter, they're going to want to know when you're coming to town. Yeah. Well, the thing is, every time I decide, oh, okay, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pummel people with where I'm going to be. Um, then, in the, yeah, inevitably somebody writes and says, when are you coming to Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I'll do that then. Um, but so, yeah, you, you know, it's a, you know, it's a fine line. Well, I foolishly years ago gave my email to Radio Shack. What possessed me? I don't know. I guess the guy <laughs> at the cash register asked me for it. Yep. And, you know, every day Radio Shack sent me an email with a, with another sale they were having. They yeah. had sales for every possible, uh, both real and full holidays. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was it's time to get your New Year's flashlight. Really? <laughs> oh, indeed, yeah. <laughs> you didn't realize there was such a thing. Um, now, uh, do you, you have kids still in the house, right? Because last time I spoke to you, you had a, a real young one that was starting to throw a temp- temper tantrum before the interview. Oh, yeah. Well, we had, we, had, we had years and years and years into that. Exactly. Okay. But there, you still have kids in the house, right? I mean, so... I do. And, and do, do, you find, do. do you find that keeps you young and kind of keep you thinking in a young frame of mind? Oh, I'm not sure it keeps you young. <laughs> <laughs> it eats away your brain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, uh, you know, there's always, you know how they show the pictures of the, of the president, like when he first took <laughs> office and, yeah. then the, and then the president, like a few years into office. And yeah. the, one always notices this really dramatic physical change. I mean, probably less so with Obama, I think. He, yeah. he somehow, he still looks really good. But yeah. you do see, a, you know, you do see a change. And they always look a little bit like those uh, meth photos on the Internet, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, you know, anybody who's had kids, <laughs> you can... Well, it's... You can outdo the president. Uh, so I'm not sure it keeps you young, but... Uh, it keeps you aware of what young people are doing. Yes, exactly. Well, I, I guess maybe that's... I've been subject to that aging thing, but my wife still looks really good, so I don't know how she... Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, uh, that's... It's... Yeah, that's good. I, I, you know, I... Last night I was on my way to grab some dinner from a place. I was just going to pick it up for takeout and um, where the restaurant is located... In this particular building, there's a um, a gym uh, at the parking lot level, and there's like you know loud music coming from the gym. And I'm watching as I'm waiting for the elevator. I'm watching this guy do like amazing crunches. And so, just while waiting for the elevator, I quickly did a deep knee bend. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel that <laughs> when when one is you know in the midst of Working and raising a family and all that, you know, this gym thing. Yeah. I mean, although I have done it here and there, it's uh, it's really hard to fit in. Um, not that I not that I felt jealous when I saw the people doing the crunches. I mean, yeah. I was doing amazing crunches. I would have to go in at a much more beginner level. That's so funny. Um, speaking of uh, looking good, and my wife's still looking good, and uh, we were uh, up at Wiley's in Dayton seeing Jimmy Pardo. And of course, they have, hey, all, hey. they have all the pictures of the uh, old comics up there. They've been there all over the years. There's a picture of one Paula Poundstone, and you look exactly the same, except for a little <laughs> little frizz eighties oh, hair. Know, look at that but you look, you look wow! Even I today. loved Wiley's. Now, I, when I used to uh, go there a lot, it was it was like the Dewdrop Inn. It wasn't where <laughs> it is now. It wasn't in like a downtown area. Yeah. It was, I think it was beside a bait shop somewhere off <laughs> like not a main road at all. 
Yeah. Um, and it was it was teeny and it was run down and it was a blast. Um, I had so much fun there because he he doesn't run it anymore, does he? Did he? No, quit years they. Ago? Uh, well, they just got new owners over the summer. And so we'd never been there before, because uh, we're down in Cincinnati, of course, and we'd missed Jimmy last time he was in Cincy, but my wife was working in Cincinnati on that side of town, and I said, hey, we're only like 30 minutes from Wiley's, we should go see Jimmy. So we did, and we'd never been oh, there before, nice. it was a lot of fun. Huh. Yeah. I remember, at one point, you know, the guy who owned it, um, Wiley, he, uh, you know, he was, he was always, you know, trying to make improvements and, and stuff, so uh, at one point he has a, uh, he had a... Dayton's skyline painted as the backdrop for the stage. And, uh, you know, the Dayton skyline, now this would have been in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Dayton skyline is barely discernible as a skyline. Yep. Uh, not a, I believe at that time they had the Otis Elevator Company was headquartered in Dayton, and, and that was one floor. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I remember that when... You know, nine eleven, and uh, and everybody's sort of consciousness of fear changed. Um, one of the things that they used to say was that they, they that the terrorists would were were kind of try to target at an iconic view. For example, um, Cinderella's Castle at Disneyland has yeah. a lot of extra protection. Yeah, because they feel that that's a place where it would sort of hit us where we live. It, you know, because it's. It's a big thing in America and everything. And I, when, looking back at the Dayton skyline, I thought, you know, they're safe. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't think if somebody, you know, yeah. I, uh, uh, I actually work in Dayton now, and the company you I work, work what? for. I work in Dayton, and uh, the company I work for used to have the tallest building in the skyline, which was the Mead Company. And, oh, uh, sure. Yeah, and but now we work out in a, in a suburb, and they since sold that building to, uh, I believe, Key Bank. But um, yeah, so uh, what a weird coincidence is. It was. Be- I mean, I loved having some sense of where my spiral notebooks came from. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a good company. Um, and and I think the guy that owns Wiley's, the two, they also own Morty's in Indianapolis. I think uh, those two are connected somehow. Oh, or I don't know were. that place. Or they were. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know. So the Mead Company is not there anymore. Well, Mead got uh, bought by this one outfit in Virginia. And then they turned around and sold it back to this place called Acco Brands, which was started out as a paperclip company in the 1900s. And oh, sure. they own all kinds of stuff. They own Mead, but the Mead stuff is here, along with Daytimer and Day Runner. Those are little things to keep you organized. And Trapper oh, Keeper, yeah. and all kinds of great stuff. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's not so I, I, you know, this time of year, one can't help but uh, oh, thinking yeah. of back-to-school supplies. You exactly, know? totally, yeah. It's uh, such a, you know, I, I, every year when I was a kid, I would... I would buy into this fantasy that I had in my head, and I don't know where it came from. I guess part of it was from the world of advertising, um, but part of it, I think, was just something I drummed up for myself, which was that if I could somehow, you know, own, own something. I, I noticed there's a commercial for back to, I think, it was like office supply or something is using this theme, like that if you could somehow have the right, you know, back to school supplies, it would. It would increase your, your 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 street cred there in the school, <laughs> you know. And yeah. and every year I would firmly believe that it was going to be, you know, the sne- the new sneakers that I had. And this is pre, uh, you know, this is pre sort of the Nike, 
um, sneaker status symbol thing. This is before, there, no, there was no such thing like that when I was a kid. We wore PF flyers. Yeah. Which the PF flyers said that they made you run faster and jump higher. And by the way, I believed that too. Yeah. <laughs> I really was just, I, I, I was just, uh, I was the person that advertisers yeah. were looking for. We were an American. That's basically yeah, what exactly. I believed everything they said. Now, thinking this back to school season. Now, when you're shopping for supplies for your kids now, do you, do you get do you, do you still get sucked in and think this is what they need? This will make that extra. This will get them organized. This will get them to get in those good grades. Or are you are you jaded no, now? No, I gave up on that a long time ago. And by the way, you know the school used to. They used to do this thing where they sent home with the kids the supply list. Oh, yeah, they still do. You know, like a couple days into the year. Yep. Now they have the nerve to send the supply list, like, over the summer. Oh, yeah. Um, with the with the emergency forms and all the junk you're supposed to fill out for the first day of school. Yeah. Um, and I don't really think the teacher yet has a sense of what they're doing. Um, I'm sure they have some, uh, 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 you know, uh, plans... But there, so we end up with by the end of the year, it's huge stacks of index cards. <laughs> yeah, you've gone way out of your way to get the kind with lines, or the kind without lines, or the you know, or the five by sevens, or the three by fives, or whatever the hell it was they asked for. And oftentimes it's like bring us the witch's broom. Oftentimes <laughs> it's something that's not easy to find at all. Right, the teacher for some reason has thrown something in there. That you know you can't just find. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I go crazy looking for it because I'm that kind of person. Yes. I usually buy something that I think might make do, and then my kids have a fit, and they go, "No, that's oh, not yeah. what it said." Yep, yep. <laughs> and that thing, whatever it is, never gets used the yeah. entire year. Yeah, it's the wrong thing. Yeah. Either because the teacher doesn't, as it turns out, require it, like she never really has anything to do with the no-lined three-by-five index cards, or because by that time of year, you know, my child is already lying to me about their homework being done, and, and there, <laughs> and I, I swear, I have a cabinet full of uh, the widest variety of index. I could open an index card store. <laughs> and my kids have an index to anything, I don't think. <laughs> no, I, I, you're right. This is something I've actually seen my daughter. My wife ends up using to make grocery lists. Um so when you're on stage these days, I know when people see you on TV or on specials, maybe it's a the, the set is a little uh, tighter. But I mean, is it still a lot of crowd work? Or are you throwing more jokes in nowadays, or do you, since you get to be on like wait, wait, you get to have like a, a different way to make fun of things there? So on, when you're in front of the stage, no, it's you can... a little bit of both. Okay. I I kind of let let's see my my uh, I, I mean there 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 are things that I that I talk about. My act is largely autobiographical. I talk about raising a house full of kids and animals. I talk about uh, um, trying to watch the news enough to cast a halfway decent vote, which we all know is not an easy trick at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then my favorite part of the night is talking to the audience. I do the time-honored where you're from, what do you do for a living? Uh, and in this way, little biographies emerge, and uh -huh. I kind of use that from which to set my sails. Um, but you know, within whatever I'm, generally speaking, um, I would say that on a on a good night, and I like to think some are probably about a third. Uh, you know, won't won't ever be said again. Is is germane just to that particular night and the people that I'm talking to on that particular night? Makes sense. And then probably about two thirds um, are 
you know, come from a large Rolodex of uh, of material that have built up in my head in the course of thirty six years. Well, that's that's cool. That's nice to have that you know experience and confidence behind you. Can you you can as they, as Jackie Cation says, you can go to the vault if you need to. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, uh, you know, so long, so long as I still can. <laughs> um, one of the things about having thirty six years of material somewhere in your head is that I'm not always sure. You know, if it's not right in the front closet, oh yeah, uh, it, it might take longer to look for than around I, for it, than yeah. I have. Well, cool. Well, I know you got to be someplace, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep this uh, short then. And uh, again, uh, thanks for doing this. Always great talking to you. Always a lot of fun. And uh, we'll look for you here in Cincinnati in a couple of weeks. And always on. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Well, thanks a lot. It was nice talking with you. Good talking again. Thanks, Paula. Bye bye. Bye bye. Again to Paula Poundstone for being on the show. You can catch Paula. I'm not sure where because her website won't load at the moment as I'm recording this. But you can go to paulapoundstone.com and find all her tour dates as soon as they get that sorted. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to forego the credits this week so I can discuss uh, a couple other things with you. A new book came out. I'm going to recommend to you. It is called Attack of the Melonheads. You remember my friend Bob Gray, my old radio partner from high school. He came on and talked about how he uh, accidentally got uh, this comedian's cell phone number. It turns out it was Nick Swartzen's old cell phone number and was getting all of Nick Swartzen's calls and the media was all over it and you know thought it was a funny story. And uh, Bob since uh, has written a book based on a local legend from our hometown. Actually, not our hometown, the town next to our hometown. We're from Mentor. Kirtland is the suburb immediately south of Mentor. And uh, there was a legend called the Melonheads. And I understand this legend also exists in Michigan and in Connecticut, separately from our hometown. Anyway, uh, Bob had a screenplay that he had. I won't give too much away because we're going to have Bob on the show in a couple of weeks to explain all this. But he had a screenplay of this. And uh, the screenplay, he couldn't quite get it to go anywhere. He did have somebody uh, very famous interested in it but then uh that didn't work out because the person uh passed and not passed isn't passed on the script passed isn't passed on to a better place and bob will explain uh, all that as well but um a publisher got a hold of it and said hey we'd like to make this turn the screenplay into a novelization so they hooked him up with a couple of writers and it has now become a, a novel and you can get it through amazon it's called attack of the melon heads might be in your local bookstore if you prefer to get it that way or they can probably order it in for you i'm about uh, three chapters in and it's uh, pretty riveting stuff so far i highly recommend it and uh, there, that takes us now up to the song of the week. Like I said, we'll have Bob on in a couple of weeks, uh, probably closer to Halloween. I think that'll be a, a fun uh, interview to talk more about this movie uh, and it may, may get made into a movie eventually, but how and uh, how it got turned into a book and uh, how the book is doing and all that. So song of the week is from a band called White Reaper. They're off of Louisville, and this is their first full album. They had an EP out before this. And uh, the current single is called Make Me Wanna Die. They are going to be at the Midpoint Music Festival actually this weekend in Cincinnati. Although after this, well, this drops Sunday, and that'll be the last day of the Midpoint Music Festival. But if you go to their website, uh, which is whitereaperusa.com, you can see all their tour dates. They're on the road with uh, All Vays up in Canada for a couple of dates, and they're going to be doing some smaller places in the U.S. But uh, like I said, the single is called Make Me Want to Die. This is White Reaper with the song of the week. So long and thanks for listening. <laughs>